You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. Welcome to episode 100 of the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm so excited. If you're outside the podcasting world, episode 100 is kind of a big deal. It's like a landmark that most podcasts get to after about two years or so. And we have gotten here in just over a year. September 12th, 2018 was the very first episode of the Captivatingly Confident podcast. And I started it because my then business coach, Steph Crowder, said, hey, you should do a podcast. And I was like, no, girl, I could never do one. First of all, I don't even know how to do that. Second of all, I don't even have a podcast voice. No one's going to listen to me talk for an hour. You're crazy. She's like, just consider it. So I sat on it for a few days, did some research, taught myself how to start a podcast, and launched the first 10 episodes. (laughs) And here we are, just over a year later. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. It feels like such a landmark. And the show just passed its year birthday. We just passed 13,000 downloads. And again, this is episode 100. Wow. And you have made this possible. Those of you that have listened, subscribed, downloaded, rated, reviewed, shown up, invested in yourself by listening to these podcasts and being open to thinking about things differently. The main reason, besides Steph saying I should, that I started this podcast is because I wanted a place where I could tell you exactly what you need without worrying about what you want. In the marketing world, that is very untrue. You have to give people what they want. We won't buy what we don't want. And we're not going to buy what we need, right? We want what we want. And That has always been a struggle for me because I just want to give you what you need, which is why these episodes are like 20 minutes. (laughs) It's like, okay, let's get in, get out. We're on a mission here. We don't have time for fluff. You don't have time to waste. Let's just get right to it. And that has been the whole purpose of this podcast is just to get right to it. What do you really need? And that's based on my experience in the health and fitness and coaching industry. So I want to, for those of you that haven't listened to, I think it's episode four, which is my story. I I highly recommend it. Although truth be told, I have not listened to the first couple episodes in a year. (laughs) I'm scared because I don't know how good they're going to be compared to the shows that we've now. Maybe it's the exact same. It probably is. I do all my own editing. I don't, I don't, give this to anybody. It's just me behind the mic and the computer doing all the work for the show. And it's something that I do because I want to. Um, It doesn't pay me. It doesn't 
Um, yeah, it's just, it's something that I want to do. I want to give back and I want a place to tell it like it is. So anyway, my story is that I have been an only child and I lived with my parents in Sacramento growing up. And my mom was my first and very best friend. I loved my mom. We were like best buddies. We did everything together. We went to church together. We did family functions together. We, she drove me to school. She picked me up from daycare. I went to work with her, like literally from birth to, to like high school. My mom and I were like in cahoots on everything. My dad worked. A lot of times he worked uh, nights. I called him nocturnal and he wasn't around very much. And when he was, it wasn't always as present as I'd wanted it to be. He was very task oriented. So he was always cleaning or always doing, not really ever just being. And sometimes it's hard for men and daughters. And it was hard for my dad and it still is. But that just means that it was more on my mom to raise me and to teach me, especially when it came to faith. And I grew up in a very conservative house, a very conservative church. And when I was five, I remember being in kids' church and the pastor, Tori, had asked, you know, who wants to accept Jesus into their heart? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on it. And from five until I'm going to say about 32, that was my life, y'all. Like, that was my entire world and identity was being a Christian. And my mom and I, like, we were at church three or more nights a week. And then on Sunday, all day. Like, that's just, we just lived the faith, right? Like, we just served all the time. And I watched my mom give and serve. She worked two jobs and she volunteered like crazy hours at the church. And I watched that and I just was like, wow. Like, Proverbs 31 woman, if you know what that is, that was my mom. And that's actually, that, that'll come into the story later. And I just, yeah, this woman, I was like, if I could just be half the woman that she is, then I'm going to be just fine. And, and it was a lot. Uh, I also watched my mom struggle a lot with her body. She tried so many diets and eventually just kind of settled into accepting that this was kind of as good as it was going to get. And she hid her body in very baggy clothes. She didn't really do a lot with hair and makeup. She didn't go shopping for herself. She would go shopping for other people, but not for her. And she always put herself last, whether it was getting food at a family function or if it was serving people on her birthday or spending Christmas helping in a soup kitchen. Like she always put other people first. Always. Self-love was not a thing in our house. It just wasn't. Respect, discipline, purity, like those were the the prized traits. I remember being 13 and my parents sitting down with me and my mom gave me this note and it said, you know, this is a purity ring and it's a covenant between you and God and and your future husband that you're going to keep yourself pure until you get married. And that has had such an impact on me as an adult and as a married woman 
And that's a whole other podcast episode that I'm not quite ready to do yet, but know that it's on my mind and it's coming. And this this idea about purity and saving yourself and sex and shame, like that's that's all coming. But uh, for today, we're going to stick with this. My cheeks are so red. It's such a hard thing for me to talk about. Anywho, moving on. So mom watched her. She was amazing. I went to Christian junior high, Christian high school. And then when I was in my senior year, my mom uh, was diagnosed with stage four uterine and ovarian cancer. And my dad, I remember where I was exactly in the garage coming home from school when my dad stopped me and he told me. And a lot of that I blocked out. I don't, I don't have a lot of memories of that time. Uh, I remember her having a surgery and ending up in the ICU. We almost lost her because she lost so much blood. And then she did a year of chemo and radiation where she lost all of her hair and lost a ton of weight. And I remember she actually made a joke about it once. She's like, finally, ah, I lost the weight. And I was like, um, but you have cancer. And it was just a really interesting moment. And I watched her work and try, and she battled blood clots and medication. And it was so, it was the hardest year. I finished high school from home and it was just so hard. And I went to my freshman year of college at Multnomah Bible College in Portland, Oregon. Hey, oh, Stumptown. Um, and I got a phone call from my mom's friend in, goodness, it must have been April. Yeah, April, because school was going to end in the end of May. And she said, you need to come home. It's not good. And so I, she flew up and drove me home to, to Sacramento. It was an 11-hour drive. and. On the way, she was just telling me about, you know, what had been going on and that my dad had had a garage sale and sold a lot of our possessions and had already put our house on the market. My mom had been moved into our house by this time um, and they had put a hospital bed and then basically after her second surgery a year later had given her about a year to 18 months to live. And so I came home in April and she was gone by July 31st. And I don't remember a lot that happened the day and after that she died. I, my, it was so traumatic for me and I have blocked a lot of it out. And it was awful. And we had the funeral and we had the celebration of life service. And I just remember sitting there in my black dress being so angry that we were celebrating her life when all I wanted to do was cry and scream and be angry. That's all I wanted to do. But I learned for everybody else, you got to be strong, right? Everyone else wants to clap and sing and, and, and be happy that she's in a better place. And I just want to rip my hair out and to scream. So... But I couldn't do that. I wasn't allowed to. And that became the story. Two weeks later, after my mom died, I was back at school as an RA, which is a resident assistant. And it was the hardest thing ever. And I would remember crying in my dorm room because I had my own room and just sobbing every night. But I couldn't tell anyone 
I had to pretend like I was so strong and had this rock-solid faith in God that she was in a better place and that God had a plan and it was okay with me. And it took years of therapy and counseling to, to really process what it looks like to grieve because I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't know how and I had no one to do it with. And I'm a very verbal processor, which is why I have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> get to talk it all through. But it was, it was on her, her deathbed right before she died. She looked at me and she said, Kim, you have to figure out what health looks like. You have to keep the weight off. You have to be healthy because you can't die like this. This is horrible. You cannot die this way. And in my family, we never exercised. We walked around the block sometimes, and I never did sports, and I didn't eat healthy at all. I didn't know what healthy food meant. But she commissioned me with this task of being healthy, and I was like, yes, mommy. I got it. I'm, I'm on it. I'll do it. And it launched this 15-year, because it's been 15 years that she's gone, 15-year journey, because I'm still on it, and I'll always be on it because it's always evolving and changing, but this journey of figuring out what the heck health looks like and how do I, to the best of my ability, recognize A, that I can't control whether I get cancer or not, and B, do my damnedest to make sure that I've done as much as I can to avoid it without going crazy. Because at first I went crazy, a little bit, a little bit crazy. Uh, I developed what's called orthorexia, and that is an obsession with healthy foods and exercise because I didn't want to die like my mom. If you've ever watched somebody die from cancer, you know that it's horrible, and it's slow, and it's painful, and it's pretty much the worst thing ever. And I just became obsessed, and I did every diet. I would work out two or three times a day. I ran. I was obsessed. I counted calories and grams of sugar and macronutrients, and I did all this stuff, and I actually lost 30 pounds doing it. And I was like, oh, well, if I can do it, anybody can. And if it, you know, if it shifted my life this radically, because I thought my obsession was a good thing. People were like, you're obsessed. And I was like, no, I'm just self-disciplined. Like, I just have radically good abilities to avoid unhealthy foods because I had really good motivation. And that, it was just, uh, it was a mess. I was a mess. And in that mess, I thought that I was a rock star. So I got certified to be a personal trainer in 2009, which is after I met my husband. Uh, I traded my, uh, my BS for my MRS. You get it? Bachelor's of science for Mrs. Okay, anyways. So I met and married Tim, and being married to him showed me how radically different our lifestyles were. He is very, quote, unhealthy, and I was very, quote, healthy. And so that really just helped me to kind of see the other side of like, well, wait, how do I, how do we do this? How do we have these two very radical, different approaches to life and health? Still a struggle. Spoiler alert. (laughs) 12 years later, it's still a struggle. But what happened was it helped me to see where that obsession was. 
But before it did, I got certified to be a fitness nutrition specialist, and I started helping with people with their nutrition. So I was doing personal training and nutrition coaching, and it was amazing and so exciting, but also at the same time, so heartbreaking because it felt like no matter how much these women restricted, no matter how much weight they lost, no matter how many inches they changed, no matter what their before and afters looked like, it was never enough. Never. Never, ever, ever. It didn't matter how much weight they lifted. It didn't matter how many miles they ran. It was like, okay, I hit that milestone. What's next? I lost five pounds. That's not enough. For the effort that I have put in, that is not enough. And I listened to it over and over again for years and years and years. And finally, in 2016, about a year after my son was born, I was like, I can't. I literally cannot handle this anymore. I so desperately want to help people figure out how they can be enough, how they can be confident in their bodies. And it was by this time that the that I was on the outside, the other side of the orthorexia, and it brought in so much more balance. My son literally saved my life in that way because he helped me to see how unbalanced I was and how when you have a kid, you just do the best you can. And that was a pivotal shifting point for me. And I'm not saying you have to have kids to figure that out, but that for me is what it took. And recognizing that and seeing just a need for confidence, I was like, I know that I want to help women. I'm not really sure how. I'm fried on health coaching. I need a break. What am I going to do? So then I started selling LuLaRoe, which is a direct sales clothing company. And they had these incredible leggings that I just fell in love with. And I started selling it for two years. And it was incredible. It was successful. It was fun. I was happy. My husband, who was working three jobs, got to quit two of them so that he could focus on his counseling practice. And now he is the one that is the breadwinner of our family just through his counseling practice. And it's been incredible to watch that shift. But LuLaRoe was amazing. And I made so many friends and connections. But what I learned in that time was how much our physical appearance impacts our inner confidence. When you lack confidence, when you feel yucky in your body, when you feel like you can't institute changes, if you feel stuck, It can change the whole deal when you put something on your body that makes you feel good. And what I saw was this opportunity to really help women identify what they wanted their clothes to say about them and how they could wear those clothes to make them feel attractive so that they could then work on feeling confident on the inside sans the clothes. And I kind of toyed around with this by doing some some health talks on Facebook, and it was incredible. Like, the results were amazing. And so it was in June of 2018 that I was like, okay, that's it. I'm leaving LuLaRoe, and I'm going to start a company that focuses on helping women find their confidence on the outside so that they can reveal their confidence on the inside. And I named it Captivatingly Confident, and it's been a year, and here we are. And friends, it has been insane. Oh my gosh. Oh, 
captivatingly confident this idea that you could love being you inside and out. This idea that you could do something like a personal styling session, which I do at a local boutique and I do online as well. But this, you find clothes that make you feel good and confident and they kind of stretch your style container a little bit or give you a new sense of style. And you put those on with some lipstick because I'm a firm believer in a pop of color on your lips. But you do this and it opens you up to really exploring how to find that confidence on the inside. And that is what Captivatingly Confident is all about. It's this process and journey of learning what confidence looks like for you as an individual. And we do that through personal style, through nutrition, because when you fuel your body in a way that feels empowering and feels good, and let's be real, food is a hang-up for most people, but when you do that, When you shift and when you pivot and you get rid of shoulds around food and this idea that you have to be healthy, because friends, I'm convinced there is no such thing as healthy. It's crazy. That's an upcoming podcast episode as well. Why I'm ditching the word healthy? Because what the heck does it even mean? Everyone has different definitions and health changes according to science all the time. So I think I'm going to get rid of the word because labels like that aren't helpful. They're really not. There's a whole philosophy called health at every size and looking at how you can actually be overweight and be more healthy than someone that is underweight. It's, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Okay, we're going to talk about that later, but that is what this whole concept is about, is about helping you figure out what it is that you want the world to see about you so that you can stop hiding like my mom. So you can be seen how you want to be seen, not how you think you should be seen. So that you can embrace yourself and respect your body. And this is something that I have been focusing on so hard the last few months is loving yourself. And what does that look like? How do you love yourself, especially if you come from a religious background like I do, that says that that's not a thing. Like you should not love yourself. You shouldn't direct your energy toward that. You need to direct your energy toward loving others, loving God, serving others, studying, reading, praying, worshiping, fellowshipping. Like that's what you should be doing. And I, if, you, if you've listened to me at all, you know that that word should is a big, woo, that's a red flag. But that, it's been such an eye-opening journey this last year, stepping into self-love and what that really looks like has been insane. And it's really opened my eyes to how do we do this thing of self-care? But how do we do it different? It's not, we're, we're getting clues that it's not just manicures, it's not just massages, it's not just bubble baths, but it's so much deeper. It's the way that you look at yourself in the mirror. It's the way that you touch your body. It's the way that you find pleasure throughout the day. It's in the way you breathe and the way you stand and the way you move. And the way you eat. These are the, the, the self-care pieces. How you live is self-care. Can your lifestyle be that of self-love and care? But for a lot of women, this is a struggle because the shoulds are so strong. And it's such a battle when you put yourself last and you're last on the totem pole. And you don't even feel worthy 
of investing in yourself. You don't feel worthy of the time that you think it needs to take. My friend Janelle Woodleaf, who has an incredible vision for women, says uh, she has this, this idea of take two for you. And what can you do in two minutes or less that's a form of self-care? I teach my clients box breathing, um, self, self-massage and self-soothing, essential oils. Like we talk about all these different ways to just take two for you. And if you say, I don't have two minutes for myself, we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> we got to get you some more you time because otherwise you're going to burn out. And friends, I don't want you to end up like my mom. Okay. I don't want you to be so stressed and ignore your own needs that you die or that you live a life that is you hiding and avoiding being seen, especially in pictures. All I have left of my mom are photographs. That's all I have left. She didn't have a Facebook account. Like, we didn't do a lot of home movies because she never wanted to be on camera. And I have all these pictures of her, but it's of her avoiding the camera. And just like, if she does have to smile, you can see she doesn't want to be there. She didn't want to be seen, but that's how I have to remember her. And that's what I'm showing her grandson are those pictures. This is your grandma, Chris. And he can see, he's got eyes, that she's not happy in these pictures. She's not living her best life. And friends, I don't want that for you. And that is why I get up every morning and do what I do. That is why I am so desperate for you to hear this message that you can live a life the way that you want to and not the way that you should, that you were born confident and that throughout your life that got taken away from you, whether it was by mean kids at school or family members who said hurtful things or trauma or sexual abuse or faith and religion, that your confidence got taken away, that it's been buried by these things. And my joy is to help you uncover it. My joy and purpose in this life is to help you figure out how you can shine so that you never miss a moment to sparkle. Because friends, I know for a fact that this life is too short and we are not guaranteed tomorrow. My mom died at 44. I will be that age in nine years. She died at 44. That's so young. She had so much life to live. She wasn't at my wedding. She wasn't here when we bought our home. She wasn't here for the birth of my son. And she won't be a part of his life ever, except for the pictures that we have and the stories that we tell. What stories are your family members going to tell about you? What is your legacy? It's hard to think about these things. And you're probably real defensive of like, well, I'm doing the best that I can. And I hear you and I see you and I know that you are, but I know that you're meant for more. I know you are. And I want to call you out on it. Say that you are meant for more in this life. And I have some ideas on what that looks like. And I kind of made a little list here of the secret to confidence. What's the secret? Like, okay, Kim, just give me like some bullet points like they, <laughs> I've heard in the gym and I still hear from my clients, just tell me what to eat and I'll do that. Just tell me what exercises to do and I'll do that. And friends, it's not enough. 
It's not. But here is a couple of nuggets to get you started. The first one is to love yourself. And the process of loving is not to just jump straight into love, especially if you are like me and that concept is loaded with guilt and shame. Because you're not going to jump into something that makes you feel guilty and shameful, right? You're going to avoid that at all costs, which is why you avoid self-love. So how do you move into that? So you practice a few different steps. The first one is awareness. Awareness of what makes you you, not what you do, not your title, but what? who are you? What's your Enneagram type? What's your Myers-Briggs? What's your birth order? Like what, what are these things? Like you obviously have a deeper essence and I love Dr. Shafali uh, Sabari. She's, oh my gosh, she ta- she's deep, friend, she's real deep. But she talks about your essence and stripping labels and just like knowing that you are divine. And I think that that's a lot harder and that's something that you can work toward. But, it, but starting with awareness of who you are, again, not what you do and not your labels, but like, who are you? What, what embodies you? What, what defines you? What describes you? And as you become aware of that, you can practice acceptance. Acceptance of who you are and what you are and how you are in the world. This is what I love about human design. If you haven't heard of human design, Google search it. It's fascinating. It's totally woo. Like if there's like a scale of one to 10 for woo-ness of something, like this is like a 20. Okay, but it's fascinating. But it says, it basically explains why you do the the things the way you do and how you can accept those things instead of fighting against them. It was so freeing to learn about that. So awareness, acceptance, and then you move into appreciation. What can you appreciate about yourself? What can you see the value in? And then once you start to value yourself, after you've appreciated, then you can kind of move into that love because you know that you are loved. No matter what faith system you come from, you're a created being. Plain and simple, you're created, right? And if you're created, you're loved. And I fully believe in that 100% that every single person is worthy of love because they are created from love. And that is just fact. And so you move toward that, right? It's not an automatic and it's not something that's done overnight. And it's oftentimes done with help, like a counselor or a coach or someone that can, a mentor, someone that's safe that can walk with you as you go on this journey of exploration. Because oftentimes you find a lot of things that are uncomfortable and it's an uncomfortable process. And it's so much better to do it in community or with someone. But you move toward love. The next is to respect your body. There's a lot of push out there for body love. And I love the concept, but I don't preach it. One, because I don't practice it. I don't love my body. No, I don't. I don't. I don't love it. And I don't think that most women want to make that jump, especially for those that loathe their body go from body loathing to loving, that's a big gap. Big gap. Instead, can you respect your body? It's gotten you here so far for better or worse, for dimpled 
or cellulited for wiggles and jiggles and squish and muffin top and belly rolls. For all its faults and flaws, it's gotten you here this far, right? It hasn't failed you yet. Even if it's giving you signals that something isn't right, like an autoimmune disorder, food allergies and sensitivities, trouble sleeping, anxiety. Even if you feel like your body is your enemy, it's not. It's trying to help you. It's trying to slow you down. It's trying to let you know there's a problem. But it's, it's doing it for your best. And so the, the process of body respect looks a lot like the process of love, too. It starts with awareness, being aware of your body, being aware of how you look, spending more time nigging, getting uncovered. Look at yourself. Be aware of it. Can you be aware of your body without criticism? Boom. Mic drop. Can you do it? Can you stand in front of a mirror, look at your body, and not criticize? That stings. Yeah, that. It's tricky. It's real fun. But once you start to be aware of your body, then you can practice, guess what? Acceptance. And this is the scariest one because we feel like acceptance equals giving up, letting go, losing control. If I just accept my body and I don't fight it and try to change it constantly, I'll, I'll gain weight. And I challenge that, and I have so many thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts on that. And that's going to be, that could be a whole year's worth of podcast episodes about letting go of trying to control and change your body. What happens if you accept it? You find freedom, y'all. Freedom like you've never known. You find peace. I mean, you get to that place, right? It's practice. You have to practice it. You've got to get, in control of your mind and the way that you think about things. So you accept your body and move into appreciation. Appreciate the things that you currently loathe. And that even means your belly. I have an episode called Make Peace with Your Pooch that I did. I think it's episode like three or five of the podcast. And I talk about how to make peace with your belly. Because this is the number one area is the midsection that most women try to hide and they loathe and they wish they could shrink. And I I have some thoughts on this that I'm kind of developing for more podcast episodes, but I really think it has less to do with the physical appearance of your body and more about the trauma and cortisol that is stored there. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? Yeah. It's not so much to do with how it looks, although you're going to argue with me and say that it is. But it's not so much to do with that as it is what your stomach represents. Another podcast episode for another day. But getting to that place of body acceptance where thereby you can eat, move, sleep, act, show up from that place of body respect, which changes the whole ball game, the whole thing changes when you operate from that place of self-acceptance and body acceptance. It'll change the way that you exercise. It'll change the way that you eat. It'll change the way that you show up for your partner. It'll change the way you show up for your kids. God, can you imagine modeling self-love and body respect for your kiddos? It's huge because you can let go of the guilt that you're not doing that for them. 
and start embracing it and living it and being more present with them. Okay, moving on. You also get to choose how you feel. Choose how you feel. People can say things to you, things can happen to you, and you still get to choose how you feel. You treat, teach people how you want to be treated. You show them how you want to feel. If someone is disrespecting you, you stand up and say, no, I deserve respect. If you're having a bad day and things keep happening and you don't like it, you can choose to be mad and sad and frustrated, and sometimes that's fine to sit in that. But you can also choose to be happy. You can choose to be content. It's all about choices. But when you live life how you think you should rather than how you want, it takes away that empowering ability to choose for yourself. The last two, I've got two more here for you. Lots of nuggets tonight. Get curious. This, again, is another... (laughs) These are all future podcast episodes. I talked about them before, but like these ones are where we're headed for the next couple months. Get curious. This is what has saved my marriage. And this is, my marriage isn't something that I talk about very often out of respect for my husband, who um, as a counselor has a lot of people that he serves. And, and so I, I'm very cautious about what I talk about when it comes to my marriage. And one of the things that I can tell you is that After 10 years of marriage, curiosity is what has saved it. Curiosity over criticism, curiosity over judgment, curiosity over assumptions. I get curious about my husband's experience. At least I try, okay? Let's be real, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to be in a relationship, whether you're married or not. All relationships take work, but if you can start to get curious about not only your own experience in life, but your partner's, ooh, girl, it'll change the whole thing. Get curious. What's the story? What's the story that I'm telling myself right now, right? Brene Brown, that's what she does. What's the story I'm telling myself right now? What's the story you're telling yourself right now? What's the story of that person that just cut me off on the freeway? curious about them instead of getting so tense and wound up all the time. Just get curious. Again, secrets to confidence. And then lastly, know what you can control. Tim Ludeman, this is for you. Control boxes. My husband, again, therapist, counselor, loves to talk about control boxes. It like literally like makes him a little bit giddy. He like pulls out this worksheet and he's like, look, here's what you can control. And guess how much you can control? Your thoughts. (laughs) That's it. How you respond and react to life is all you can control. Everything else is outside. Everything else. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your work. You can't control your client flow or your business or your friends or your kids. Nothing. You can't control any of it. But you spend so much energy trying to do that. And I know because I've been there too. I still struggle with this concept that the only thing in my life that I can control is how I respond to situations. That's it. That is all I can do. Everything else is outside of it. So once you wrap your mind around that and you start to really look at why you react and respond the way that you do, game changer. 
game changer because then you can practice more self-compassion and self-love when you get curious about your experience and how this all works together. See what I'm saying? Like it's all interconnected. It's fascinating. So those are the secrets to confidence and my confessions as a confidence coach. Oftentimes I'm asked, Kim, what do you, you have this business, Captivatingly Confident, and you have a podcast, but what do you do? Like, what do you do? I don't know. Like half my clients are like, I don't know what it is that you do. And truth be told, I don't really know what it is yet either. It's been evolving so much over the last 18 months. I don't, I don't even know, but I'll tell you this much. I love to help people with personal style. I love helping you pick out colors and patterns and prints that make you look bombastic. I love teaching you how to use accessories like belts and scarves and bags and shoes and jewelry and lipstick and makeup. I love all of that. I love doing that. Again, that's something that I do online and in person through Mary Rose Northwest Boutique, which is owned by Julie Allen, who I have partnered up with to launch Reveal Retreat, which I'll tell you about in just a sec. But that is so much fun. It's so much fun. They're about 90-minute sessions. P.S. They're free, whether you do online or in person. Like, there's no styling fee if we do it at Mary Rose. So if you're interested, holler at me, Kim, at captivatinglyconfident.com. I also love to talk about nutrition. I love it because I love helping people uncover why they're stuck, especially in a diet mindset and how to walk toward freedom from diets so that you can actually make empowering choices about your food. Oh, it's incredible. So I love doing nutrition coaching. I love personal training, helping you find ways to move your body that feel good and getting you to that place. I love corrective exercises and working with different issues uh, physically. Oh, I love that. And I love doing like what I call the should coaching to help you stop shooting on yourself because that's the basis of it all is the shoulds. The shoulds are the beliefs and stories that you tell yourself about how you should show up in the world. And you picked those up from other people. When you're asked, what's getting in the way of you and your dreams? You say, well, me, I'm in my way. No, you're not. It's not you. It's the shoulds. It's other people's opinions and ideas and judgments that you carry with you that you think you should be doing this instead of what you really want to do. Because what you want to do feels shameful or it feels wrong or guilty or you've never done it before, so it feels scary. But it's this whole idea, and I love coaching people through that. That just gets my heart all fluttery because it's so much fun to uncover these and to find freedom from them. And if you're curious about that, you can go over to CaptivatinglyConfident.com and grab my free guide, Stop Shooting on Yourself. And I walk you through the process of how to become aware of your shoulds and how to use the acronym BRAVE to move through them. So you can grab that on my website. And I also really love speaking, doing public speaking and workshops and 
I'm hosting a retreat, y'all, in Nashville, Tennessee, February 28th through March 1st. Julie Allen, owner of the Mary Rose Northwest Boutique and founder of the Mary Rose Foundation, which funds eating disorder recovery, which is incredible. I love that so much. We are taking it to Nashville and we've got this gorgeous bohemian style house and we're going to have a weekend retreat where we're going to dive into everything that we just talked about on this podcast. We're just going to dive into it even deeper and experientially, which is how you learn best and how life change really happens. Because when you connect with other women who are in a similar struggle as you, like they're riding the same struggle bus, like that Me Too moment is so powerful. And can bring so much freedom and it helps you to connect with other women so much differently. And it helps you to be open to things that you weren't open to previously. Retreats by themselves are so powerful, but we're bringing in, oh, we're bringing in two other experts who are incredible. Mary Hyatt, who is gonna do Kundalini yoga for us and some meditation work and maybe even some like sound bath, sound bowl stuff. Oh, so good. And then we have Kate Clifford, who's the the founder of Kindred Wellness, and she is seriously magic. And she's going to talk about self-love and self-care in a completely different way, which I love. We're very attuned on this and how important it is for you to show up first in your life so that you can serve others better, more authentically, and without getting burned out. And then Julie is going to do work on inner child and self-compassion. I'm going to dive in with the shoulds. And we're collectively going to have this experience that is going to be so life-changing. I literally like cannot wait. I'm like counting down the days. And it is just, it's amazing. So you can learn more at Reveal Retreats with an S because we're going to have more, but revealretreats.com. You can sign up there. It's $9.97. We've got payment plans. If you need help financially, holler at me. We'll figure something out. We have six spots left. That's it. Six spots. Registration closes November 1st of this year. And again, it's February 28th through March 1st. If you're interested, email hello at revealretreats.com and I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Oh, it's going to be so incredible. If you're ready to step into your confidence, if you're ready to ditch diet mindset, if you're ready to learn how to love yourself in a totally radical way, then this retreat is a non-negotiable for you. It is a must do. No matter what, no matter what it takes to get you there, we want you to be there. And we have been manifesting who's going to be there. And we're so, so excited about it. So that's Reveal Retreat 2020. Again, revealretreats.com. Email me if you have questions. Hello at revealretreats.com. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff, y'all. Okay. This is way longer than most of my podcasts, but I just wanted to catch you up and share with you. And I'm so excited for you. This year, 2020, is going to be amazing. Seriously, so much good stuff is coming. So make sure that you head over to the Captivatingly Confident uh, Facebook page. Yes, that one. Or the Facebook group, Captivatingly Confident Community. (laughs) 
because I love long words that are hard to type. But if you type that into Facebook, join the group, join the 200 plus women that are already there talking about confidence and what it looks like to step into that and how to radically change your life and thereby changing the lives of those around you. All right, my friends, I love you so much. You don't even know. And thank you for supporting the podcast. If you don't mind and you have a sec, I would love for you to go over to iTunes if you have access to it and rate the show and leave a review. That seriously means so much to me and it helps me to get bigger guests on the show because they look at stats. It sucks, but they look at stats and depending on how many downloads and reviews you have, like certain guests, they won't come on your show unless you have a certain amount. So help a sister out. Do that for me if you would. If you have feedback and you're like, Kim, I want to hear about this, or I don't like when you do this, I respond to every single email and message. So make sure that you reach out to me, Kim at CaptivatinglyConfident.com, or send me a message on Facebook. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to stop talking now, but I can't wait to see you for episode 101. May you go forth this week, this day, this moment. Stepping into the awareness of the need for confidence. And may you go out and be you bravely. I'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me, and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time. that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me, and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time.